Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. In this episode, I take you through the learning journey of Roxanne and Desi. Desi is what would be perceived as unpredictably aggressive toward people. Following that is the snippets piece, which explains what a convincing command is and how dogs perceive them. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host, creator of Upward Dogology and successful dogologist for over two decades. This is episode four of the second part of this podcast series. The first part is the five-part mini-series, which included a short trailer and four full episodes. If you have not listened to that, you may want to because I refer to it in this episode. Welcome to the learning journey of Roxanne and her dog, Desi. Roxanne is an experienced foster. She commonly has three foster dogs and her dog, but her dog recently passed away of old age. The tenant in the apartment in her home has a dog and they all share the yard. Roxanne lives alone. Roxanne leads a busy lifestyle and is a social person. Desi was surrendered to the rescue organization and was put in with an experienced foster who has three dogs. After the required time period at the foster home, Roxanne applied to adopt Desi and she was accepted. Desi is about a year old and is healthy and neutered. Desi plays well with the dogs in Roxanne's home, but is nervous if they growl at him or if they get too rambunctious. He tends to just shy away and he tends to stick near Roxanne. He's good in the home. He doesn't chew anything. He doesn't jump or even playfully nip. Roxanne noticed he was a little uncomfortable on leash walks because he had never really been on leash walks. He was sort of hyper aware and a bit leery of people who passed by. He didn't lunge or bark. He just kind of side-eyed them and, and backed away a little bit. Roxanne noticed that Desi growled when he was near his food pole, but she could put the food bowl down and have him in a sit and stay and then calmly release him to go to the bowl. Roxanne's tenant suggested pinning him down when he growled. Roxanne tried that twice but noticed in it increased the growling, at which time the tenant suggested punching Desi. Roxanne did not do this. She instead switching to using treats as positive reinforcement because that was recommended to her by other fosters in her foster group. The growling continued with the food bowl, but Roxanne noticed Desi liked treats and was gentle with taking them. Roxanne hired me because, well, because she didn't want to do the pinning and punching and the treats were not just really addressing the issue. But specifically, she hired me because Desi bit her friend Liz in the face, resulting in five stitches in her lip. When I went to Roxanne's home, Liz was there. She was a dog experienced person and was not mad, but wanted to learn and be part of the program. Liz told me she was sitting outside in the yard in the same seat she was sitting in when I went over there, and she was patting one of the dogs, and then she looked at Desi, who was right beside her, and when she went to pat him, he bit her. Desi is fairly tall, so his head is at her head height when she's sitting. At that point, Liz had been in the yard for about half an hour and had fed Desi, Desi treats since that's what Roxanne had been advised to do. Roxanne was also sitting right there when the bite happened, so she jumped up. She didn't really do anything because after he bit Liz, he shrunk away and he looked scared. He did not move or react when Liz jumped up to go in the home, which was opposite direction of where Desi was. 
In this situation, the treats misled Roxanne and Liz into thinking Desi liked Liz. Desi does not like or dislike people. He assesses situations and feels comfortable or uncomfortable and reacts, reacts accordingly. It is common for people to use the, the term unpredictable bite behavior or unpredictable aggression with dogs such as Desi, but in fact, they are quite predictable once we learn what their factors or triggers are. We can then establish core tools that are correlative to the factors and apply exercises using the core tools to change perception. At this point in the session, Liz left and Roxanne and I decided to bring Desi to the yard on leash. Roxanne applied the exercises we talked about as best as she could at this stage in the program. I stood about 25 feet from the door. Desi growled, which he did not do with people outside of his yard, but this was also the first time he had been on leash in his yard without any other dogs there. Roxanne applied the exercises and within a few minutes he was looking at me and walking by me and was more comfortable. My goal as a dogologist is not for every dog to love me. I know some trainers are proud when dogs who do not like many people like them, but this is not my goal because that's not my client's goal. My client needs to learn how to read and calmly manage their dog in all situations. If their dog is forced to like me, then we could actually regress the training. The change in behavior toward me is an indication the core tools and exercises are the right ones. And that is the point of these exercises. So in this initial session, Roxanne learned the specific body disposition, timing, tone of voice, leash work, commands, rewards that were all suitable at this stage in the program specifically for Desi. There is not one right technique in upper dogology. There's not even one technique. There's many. And we adapt them at different stages as we go along. I talk about the different techniques in my book. Roxanne continued for the next week to apply the exercises and increase the difficulty of them. She noticed Desi did not cling to her as much in the yard or follow her around the home as much. These are good signs he is trusting her ability to read him. He was less nervous when the dogs roughhoused in the yard, and on walks he was less hyper-aware of everything and everyone. When she applied the command-based exercises, she could walk up to him when he was eating out of his bowl. These are great signs. So we did our second session in a public park. This was a bit of a shit show, but the good thing was that Desi was excited, not nervous or cautious. I noticed that when I was in the yard in the first session, he was fine with me, but it was a bit eeky if I moved or stared at him, which is common with dogs like Desi. But on the walk in the park, he had no problem with people moving because in his mind, people walk in the park without coming to him or being in his space. I was within three feet of him, which I could not have done in the first session. So that's partly due to the environment. And also Roxanne was using the transferable exercises and he was following them. And they brought comfort and confidence in Roxanne's ability to calmly manage. Roxanne continued on her own to do more walks and Desi became more relaxed in general. Unfortunately, this also made Roxanne more relaxed on using the techniques and exercises. So when her friend Justin came over to visit her, Desi bit his hand, causing him to get stitches. I asked her the details. She said Justin was sitting in a chair and Desi was beside him. Justin had been giving treats without incorporating the exercises. Justin was attempting a high five because Roxanne told him that Desi could high five. And when he lifted his hand, Desi bit him. I asked her if she had applied the exercises proactively before this, and she had, but she had noticed that Desi was not really listening to her 
or following them to the level that he could do them at. These exercises allow us to calmly manage dogs and situations, but they also allow us to proactively read a dog to prevent unwanted behavior. I'm not blaming Roxanne. She was very diligent and patient and can be and it can be difficult to remember to apply all the techniques, especially since Desi had shown such improvement over two weeks. So Roxanne felt she should euthanize Desi. I never tell my clients what they should do in these situations, and I always support them. However, I felt that maybe we could talk about the options for working with him a bit more, and she really wanted to do that. So I explained the need to apply the skills or the core tools, which are the approaches, commands, and techniques of upper dogology, and she understood that. She also agreed that the treats in both bite incidences fooled her and Liz and Justin into thinking Desi was comfortable with them. They did not use the command-based exercises when giving the treats, which would have changed Desi's perception of them and possibly changed the outcome. For the bite on Justin, Roxanne was unable to complete basic exercises. Had she understood the significance of this and used the exercises to read, not just train Desi, she may have avoided the bite by giving Desi more time to read and to acclimatize to Justin. We had not worked together prior to the bite on Liz, so there were no established exercises to give any proactive indication of his perception. Additionally, we noticed that there were hand movements that seemed to be a trigger in both bite incidences. Liz was going to pat him and Justin was high-fiving. In both situations, the people were sitting and Desi was standing near them, sort of somewhat over them, but I'm not going to go down the dominance road. I don't think Desi was feeling dominant. He was just unsure of the hand movement while he was that close. So we are learning with Desi, his behavior is influenced by his perception of the person's intent based on their movement. We need to change Desi's perception of people's intent in different situations. Roxanne decided she could not euthanize Desi. Yay. Partly she felt more comfortable when she understood the bites from Desi's point of view, and even more so, her and Desi had bonded a ton in the last two weeks. She got a muzzle for him, and we continued to work together. We focused on teaching Roxanne how the command-based exercises can increase her ability to read Desi, how to proactively apply these exercises to increase manageability and prevent unwanted behavior, and we continued to implement these exercises in increasingly difficult situations. By the term increasingly difficult situations, I am not referring to setting up forced, uncomfortable situations and then, quote-unquote, seeing what he does. That is not recommended at all. The difficulty is determined by Desi, and the pace we progress is determined by Desi. This is one of the approaches of upper dogology, work at the pace of the dog. What one dog may perceive as scary or uncomfortable, another one does not. We worked with Desi using the transferable skills in different areas and places and situations, allowing Desi to watch people and other objects move. By doing this, Desi learned for himself he did not need to bite to maintain his safety. He literally learned that nothing different happened when he did not bite than when he did bite. We replaced the biting with acceptable behavior and he chose on his own to not bite. We didn't force it. We provided him with skills and options. When his brain started to go to the place where he felt the need to maintain safety by biting, Roxanne had the skills to read and proactively prevent the bite by bringing his brain brain back, literally. As we continued to work with him, his brain just stopped going there. This is cognitive behavioral therapy. The techniques and skills were transferable to her home, allowing Roxanne to safely have people in her home. 
Desi has not since bit anyone, and Roxanne still has him and is comfortable with people coming over, and sometimes she might use a muzzle for safety. Roxanne can ease up on the exercises in the home environment and common positive reinforcement techniques, such as praising when he is calm to get his leash on, or for food, or saying leave it when sniffing something. These are now effective because their bond is so much stronger and command-based ability is stronger. Roxanne evicted the asshole tenant, but unfortunately he took his dog with him, but it was helpful not having him around. The snippet piece for this episode is one I call convincing commands. As you probably have gathered, I'm a big fan of commands, but I also have poo-pooed some commands. I spoke earlier in an episode about the no-jump command being useless and even counterproductive. So I like commands, but they have to make sense to the dog and be taught and applied correctly. A good example of a convincing command is the term be nice or the word friend. Whenever I hear someone say these words to their dog, I go the other way, unless they're my client and then we talk about it. So I was waiting for a client to arrive at the park and this woman approached using the words be nice. This made me very nervous because it was pretty clear she was unsure of her dog's behavior and pretty clear the dog had no intention of being nice. She said her dog was unpredictably aggressive when meeting new people. I asked her about the be nice words. She said her trainer said that this would calm her and calm her dog. I asked her how this word was taught, what exactly it means to the dog. Does it have an action? Does it change her dog's brain space? Does it does it calm her dog? I was genuinely curious. This woman didn't know I was a dogologist. And we were just talking and she had approached me. So she said that it it was taught in the moment. And what it means is that the dog just doesn't bite and doesn't jump or react She didn't really understand what I meant by change the dog's brain space or change the dog's focus ability. It did calm her dog sometimes, so she could sort of see it working. She continued on to explain that if her dog was nice, then she would use the word friend so that her dog associated a good person and perhaps getting patted with the word friend, and then they could use this word on other new people. Okay, that sort of made sense. They were teaching a word associated with a good situation and then applying the word. But it is still relying on the dog being nice in order to teach the word friend. And this is a very slow and unpredictable method. I didn't say anything because I never offer unsolicited advice and my client showed up. But I I still continued to think about this situation. I, I questioned if this woman would use the word enemy if the dog was not nice or the person did something negative? And what is the alternative of the words be nice and friend? Again, it's a reactive training technique. It's it's using positive words and it's in an attempt to remain in quadrant one. So there's no negative, which is good, but restricting teaching commands to situations where they are actually supposed to be applied and you're teaching them as you're applying them is a tough go. And it's hard to teach be nice and friends at any other time. They don't have an exact meaning to the dog, nor do they change the dog's perception or allow the dog to read the person. In other words, they are simply trying to convince the dog to be nice and that people are your friends.
So I hope this example encourages you to think about the commands you are using or, or even just phrases and how your dog perceives them and if they are reactive or proactive in nature. If you feel your dog knows and likes them, then use them, and especially when they can help you achieve your goals. There is no one right way to teach and apply commands, but for dogs over six months, they need to be calm, clear, and useful. Please follow me on Instagram, Upward Dogology, and on my Facebook page, which highlights my clients both hands-on and remotely. That is Doglogic Behavioral Rehabilitation. There are a few Doglogic pages, so make sure to get the right one. My LinkedIn is Billy Groom. If you are interested in working together or becoming a certified Upward Dogologist, you can visit my website, upwarddogology.com. My book, The Art of Urban People with Adopted and Rescued Dogs Methodology, is available through Amazon, most ebook retailers, and my publisher, Friesen Press. The music in this podcast series is generously provided by the Jeff Murtick Band off the album Outrun the Sunrise. They are a funky reggae blues band from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. You can check them out on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy your learning journey. Upward.